Welcome to the War in Ukraine update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ganawa, a senior lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia, and I'm checking in with Maxim Yali, head of the Centre for New World Order and professor of international relations at the National Aviation University in Kyiv. Thanks for talking to me today, Maxim. Welcome, Jessica. So first of all, I mean, we're recording this on the 6th of January in Kyiv, which is the day before Orthodox Christmas. How is the situation at the moment in Kyiv in terms of, I know there've been electricity shortages and also in terms of, I guess, the mood around what we usually think of as the festive season. What is the mood like currently in Kyiv during this year's festive season? Well, definitely these festive seasons differ from previous ones, you know, the first time at least after the end of the Second World War, when we met it with rocket missiles attack just before the New Year. And uh, after midnight, uh, there was also an attack of drones, uh, Iranian drones. So it was, uh, as usually, pretty noisy, but noises differed. One an example was when it was about uh, half past one a.m. and there was huge explosions outside and uh, I just heard some men screaming, Putin. So that showed the attitude of Ukrainians. So nobody uh, was scared. Nobody was trying to go to shelters, to underground, to hide or something. People were celebrating. Of course, there were problems with electricity, especially before the Catholic Christmas, we had serious shortages like 10 hours a day we didn't have. But now more or less it is stable. So it shows like two reasons. One thing, our armed forces managed already to shut down these drones using aviation, uh, but mostly it's, it's just like people with machine guns just sitting and watching. But another problem that they started using it at night, so it's more difficult to see them. They changed the tactics. In daytime, they use uh, rockets, missiles. At night, they use uh, drones. Another thing, positive one, that uh, we received some air defense systems very good ones, German, IRST, and they're used in uh, Kiev. They showed uh, their effectiveness. Some other, NSMs, also very good. So they hit uh, these rockets and missiles very well. So the percentage of uh, the rockets and missiles shut down increased. It's about 75%, uh, sometimes 80 We started with 55 60 so another important uh, thing that uh, they use less rockets and missiles. They lack of it. Last attacks, it's about 70, 75. used to be about 100. So these reasons allowed us like, to stabilize the situation. Soon it will be already mid-winter. And I can tell, well, for example, in November, after four or five, missiles attack when I remember for the first time we were sitting for three days running without electricity completely just one hour or two at four or five p.m. it was given and we could charge a bit power banks telephones or something so two months ago or a month and a half ago it looked like 
at winter we're gonna spend without electricity without everything we were just preparing uh, for the worst i hope that uh, the worst is already in the past but my optimism is based on few factors i gave you and just the facilities of russia to produce rockets and missiles so they cannot substitute they cannot produce as much Moreover, another important uh, thing that we launched our drones, which reached uh, bases, angles, it's a Russian place where strategic aviation was based. Those aircrafts which lo- uh, launch these missiles, actually, and uh, it helped to prevent a few attacks. So these factors give some optimism. Of course, we're expecting new attacks to come. But uh, the most important from my point of view is that, well, to prevent Iran to sell its uh, rockets to Russia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we also saw just in the last day that Putin unilaterally declared a very short ceasefire over the days of the Orthodox Christmas, which Zelensky disregarded as some kind of a farce or a show. What was your reaction and evaluation of that announcement by Putin? Well, of course, uh, you know, nobody believed it because we already have huge experience of these truces since 2014. The most important and tragical for us was in 2014, it was a tragedy in Ilovais. It's a small town in Donbass and they surrounded, they for the first time used regular army, Russian, not proxies, not Prigozhin's, Wagner or something. And that time for the first time they used regular army and they surrounded some groups, one, two thousand Ukrainian soldiers. Actually, they were mostly volunteers after Maidan and they were surrounded. And then... We had negotiations about the truth to let them out. And Putin also gave his word. And, you know, the condition was without weapons. And when they were going out, they were just all killed. Because I know people who were there who managed to survive, they, they could see smiles on Russian soldiers' faces. It was a massacre. So it was an example how what is worth Putin's worth and promise and truth. So why he wants it? Because uh, as you see, the situation, the battlefield for them is not good. You know, small Bakhmut, it's just like, well, now it's just a few thousand of civilians left, but it used to be, I guess, 30, 40,000 inhabitants, pretty small town. So they are for at least several months after the occupation of Kherson, it's like the main battlefield. But they actually were trying to capture it for at least eight months. They need reserves, uh, they are lack of shells, and of course the soldiers are tired. Hundreds, I guess, already, well, if not 10 or 20,000 were killed there during these months, I mean Russian soldiers. So they need time to regroup. To have some rest. But what is more important, of course, Putin knew and understood that Zelensky and Ukrainians, because you must know that Zelensky, he reacts on the point of view of society. He knew 
it would be a denial because we know that to trust Putin is just to cheat yourself. But now he can show at least to China, India, which put a pressure on him to stop this war, you know, since the summit Shanghai organization. Putin promised to stop this war, but they say, okay, you should, you should show at least something, intentions. So in this way, he shows like, you see, I want, but Kiev doesn't want. Just uh, to show like he's willing uh, to find some solutions. But at the same time, he doesn't change conditions, which are absolutely unacceptable for Ukraine. As I mentioned, he illegally annexed four more regions of Ukraine, which he does not control. So, of course, uh, these conditions are absolutely unacceptable. One more thing we'll see tomorrow uh, on the 7th, you know, it's going to be Christmas and uh, service in church. There, there is information in, from intelligence that probably they may do some terrorist attacks on churches and say that it Ukrainians did. Having known Putin, his KGB past and how he came to power, there were huge uh, terrorist attacks made by FSB in 1999, just before presidential elections. They condemned uh, Chechens in doing it, and uh, it gave uh, serious support to Putin uh, when he had like 3-4% of support. He was prime minister at the time. Then he declared uh, second war to Chechnya. With that help, he uh, won the elections. But the most important thing that FSB officers were captured by civilians in some blocks of flats when they were just put in the explosion, which was used before that, and hundreds of people were killed. So just making these parallels quite possible to mobilize uh, society also in, on occupied territories, also in Russia. Uh, I hope uh, this information will not be proved, but knowing Putin, uh, I suppose it, it is quite possible to happen. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Maxim. Stay safe, and I appreciate you updating us today, and we'll talk again soon. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Gonka Varol for our theme music. <laughs>